Welcome to My Best 11 podcast. Today we are joined by a physio who has had the absolute um, honour, and we have the honour of having him on, but has had the honour of um, being a physio at the top club in the world, Luton Town, as well as um, other club, including Tottenham. So today we are joined by a man who is, who's, I'm not sure if he's given this nickname to himself or he was given this nickname by fans. He's known as the Limping Physio. Today we are joined by John Sheridan. How are you, John? Andrew, I'm very good. And you? Yeah, very well. Very well. Thank you, sir. Marvin? Yes. Andrew? Yes, I'm good, Andrew. Excited to get John on. Um, well, John was obviously um, the physio at Luton when I first joined as an, as an apprentice. And so his reputation was like huge back then. And obviously being locally... Um, Growing up in Luton, I believe he, he he made a name for himself and went on to have a fantastic career. So it's going to be an interesting one. Most Cheers, definitely. Marvin. Most definitely. And John has a book out right now, which um, he'll talk a little bit about later on, called The Limping Physio, um, which is out in hardback and on Kindle. So feel free to look that up um, after the podcast. Um, feel yeah. free to look that up. Um, so... What we always like to do is uh, we give over straight over to John to have a look at his formation, because what he's going to do is go through and name the best 11 players he has ever um, worked with. Um, so I'll hand over to you, John, straight away. Andrew, Marvin, this is a new experience for me because all during my career in football, I never got involved in football. <laughs> I always pleaded ignorance because I always felt a physio and um football were were different so I never wanted to get involved because I thought the players if I they didn't want me to get involved in football so when David Pleat asked me to go scouting all that I said it's no good sending me I know nothing about football <laughs> of course he'll find out if I did or not after this podcast <laughs> 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 so yeah so I never I never got uh, really involved in football I always felt I wanted to be detached from football so the players could relate to me, come up to me if they had a problem. And I always felt if I'd been shouting abuse at them from the from the, the bench, I was the last person they wanted to see. So that was my philosophy in football. And I've done over a thousand games and uh, I don't think I ever got a player fine. That was my way of uh, looking after them, you know, and uh, so it was good. But getting on to my best 11. What's the formation, I, John? What formation do you go with this this group? We are going for a 3 5 2. Oh, 3 5 2. Wow. 3, three 5 2. So, maybe start the goalie in goal. Okay. Now, special honorable mentions, right? Yeah. I've worked with a lot of goalkeepers. So, this position was really difficult. I mean, I've had Ian Walker, Tony Parks, but Les Seeley, the great Les Seeley as well. Yeah. Now, Les, when I used to uh, treat Les, he usually ended up selling me something. <laughs> <laughs> so when I used to go home sometimes, I, I, I remember once I, I went home, I had a rug under one arm and uh, three letter open, openers in the in my hand. And I got home and the missus said, what did you get them for? I said, well, they said I could have uh, three for the price of two. But, <laughs> God, but this is true. But God rest his soul. He was a yeah. great goalkeeper, great career. And I've still got one of his letter openers now, all these years <laughs> later. So when I when I pick this up, I think of my old dear Les. He was yeah. such a lovely guy. <laughs> such a lovely guy. 
The other one, um, Eric Torsvedt, the Norwegian yeah. goalkeeper, um, an icon in Norway. I spent a bit of time in Norway with him um, when he had an operation. So we had to go up to a little village in, in, in the mountains called Moss, where he had a knee operation. And I was in and watched him. And so now I'm going to come on to the two that I had left. And it was a very, di very difficult situation to, to decide. We had Jake Finley, that was with me at Loon, great goalkeeper, should have been capped by Scotland. Um, a lovely guy. Now the keeper that I'm going to mention. International. International. His son-in-law played golf as a pro. His son made over 250 appearances as a pro footballer. Some he of those appearances football. for the same club. <laughs> Who's that? No, what? His son. Did some? Did his son play some appearances for the same club as his dad played for? Yes, but not. Not many. Not did, many. He, did he play? Did he also play? Not in the, maybe not in the first team. Not in the first did team. He, John, did he also play for Liverpool? He did, but before you say, he, mm -hmm. he made his debut for Scunthorpe. 1966, he made over 1,100 league appearances. So it puts him in the, that elite club of players that made over 1,000 appearances. Wow. 61 appearances for England, and he would have won a lot more caps, but for Peter Shilton. Shilton, yeah. Ray Clements, God bless him. God bless him. Yeah. A man amongst men. A lovely, lovely guy. He was um, he, he instilled confidence in the dressing room. I mean, you see what he what he actually won at Liverpool, and the amount I, I believe he he made the most clean sheets ever, didn't he? Uh, I think in I'm Liverpool, probably he, he, he probably he, he, I know uh, he made a lot of, had a lot of clean sheets for Liverpool. But a lovely guy. I often had a game of golf with him. Um, I remember once we Tottenham were playing in in Bermuda. And I was having a dreadful time. And he's my partner. Mitchell had shot Glen Oddle, hit a tree and shot him out the buggy. But there I was, I, the last hole, all the lads were in except me. I hacked up his dog leg to the right so no one could see me as I hacked up to the corner. And then I looked at the green. Now there's this big clubhouse in front of us. The lads are all on it. And this green looks awesome. Bunkers all around it. I'm first to play. So I take a seven iron out. I pray to God and I say, please, for once in my life, just let me hit the ball. And I hit this seven iron and it went up in the air. Lovely art. And I looked round, I thought I couldn't have hit that. And it rolled onto the green, up to the pin, about a foot away. And I said to me, where did that come from? I said, I haven't got a clue. I said, follow that, my son. So, but, and, you never, and you time. never picked up another set of golf clubs ever. That was it. I have. I have. Finish yeah, on a high. I still, I still, I still play, but uh, yeah, now and again. But a lovely guy, Ray. God rest his soul. Sadly missed. Yes. Oh, definitely. What's it? I mean... Which, which position is harder to, if this is even the thing, I suppose, which position is more common, I suppose, that you, do you have to work with and work on? Is, there, is it more strikers, more keepers, and, or is it a real mixture? There's I'd no say, real logic. I'd say it's a, it's a mixture, really. You know, it's, it's a mixture. You get a lot of strikers uh, getting injured because they get kicked, kicked around a little bit. But again, defenders, goalkeepers don't seem to get injured too much. Um, 
but it's a specialised position, really. But uh, no, it's a mix, mixture, really, of, um, of injuries and different kind of injuries as well. Lower limb injuries for, you know, strikers, uh, players, outfield players, goalkeepers, shoulders, back, what? ribs. Um, John, was it, John, was it, an, I mean, I think I read something, was it an injury which, like, led you down the path to become a physio, as yourself? How, it was, how, oh. it was Marvin, when I was, when I was 15, or just before 15, I, um, I caught, I caught uh, a disease called osteomyelitis, which is an inflammation of the, the, the bone marrow, and I got over there, I nearly lost my life, actually, um, you know, I was very, very, very ill, um, and then I got over there, and the bone was still quite weak, and I, I went back to school, and I fell off a bus. And as I come down the stairs, I hit my hip on the platform and I fractured it in three places. So I spent another year, 14 months in hospital in Stanmore doing, uh, well, getting better and doing rehab. But of course, it was such a mess. So I went from someone that was really, really fit, loved football, loved playing, to someone that would couldn't play again. And really, that was the start really of, of um, being a physio because I, I felt I wanted to be involved in football. Um, I knew I couldn't be a player, though I did try. I went in goal, um, but I got kicked about a bit. So I thought, well, that's... And over the next few years, I got involved in local football, um, started to study first aid, um, which I loved. I represented Bedfordshire and Vauxhall in first aid competitions all over the country, which was a brilliant grounding, really, for um, what was to come. Then I realised I didn't really know enough, so I went to Lillyshaw, done a three-year course. Um, so a couple of weeks residential, then you've done a year's study. Also, I worked at the hospital, carried on studying and studying, and um, in the end, after a long while, 10 years, I've become a chartered physio. And, Ten uh, years. Ooh. Well, it took me a long while because I went the back room. Though I, it gave me a tremendous grounding because I was doing all these courses and and all these exams. And I found, you know, and I was working, of course, for a living. Could I had a family, also working. But I was determined to to become a physio. And I think the centennial the Chart Society, which um, they actually featured Gaz's rehabilitation. As, as in, in part of the exhibition, which I was very proud of, you know, Brilliant. for British sports medicine in general, yeah. because we were always we were always up against the Americans, weren't we, with sports yeah. medicine? They thought they were the bee's knees, um, and really, sports medicine, you know, when I first started, was was in its infancy. It, it hadn't really exploded. We had no arthroscopies. All all I had when I first started was my hands and an X-ray. And the knowledge that I had, and as as the years evolved, as evolved as I was working, sports medicine become science that it is today. But uh, we were the pioneers, really, early on in football. There was no no protocols laid down. No, no. So. brilliant, excellent. So we'll move on to centre backs. Anywhere, whichever. Right. Are you playing a sweeper, or are you just going to go straight through? I'm, go, I'm going. I'll start from the, the back three. So the right right uh, centre back. Um, I'll do the honourable mentions first, yeah. don't I? Yeah. Okay. 
Now, this is this was really difficult. So I've picked a few. Chris Euton, mm. uh, Irish international. Justin Edinburgh, Spurs. God yeah. rest his soul. Rest his soul, yeah. Steve Foster. Uh, Richard Goff, the Scottish international, who I believe um, was so fit he swam the tape for a charity. <laughs> and there's one guy that I would mention, maybe Mick Saxby, because if he hadn't had the awful knee injury, he was such a great player, he could have gone all the way. So I think he should be given a little mention, uh, Mick. Right. My right centre-back is better known as a marauding right-back signed from a non-league club. Oh, I'm going to go for Kirk Stevens. Yes. Well done. Right, yeah. Well, well known for, uh, for scoring that goal at Watford, Boxing Day, which gave us a victory. Uh, he was known as Basher. At, at Basher, yeah. yeah. Basher, yeah. Um, we, to, we had the little loot and get together uh, a couple of weeks ago, well, 10 days I ago, could. where all the boys were there. And it was great to see him. And, and Kirk was there. Mossy, Godfrey was there. Godfrey Ingram. Was he? Godfrey, yeah. Um, Kirk, I remember him playing at uh, Liverpool in that famous free all draw. Brief. When we were 2-0 we were down, uh, no, we were one nil down, weren't we? And Kirk went in goal, and the first time he touched the ball was when he picked out the back of the net. And I had I had to cut Jake's uh, shirt off that day, and uh, so Kirk actually played in a Liverpool goalkeeper's top. Wow! And he was famous for that, shaking Stevens. They shouting out, <laughs> shaking Stevens. And after that, Mal Donaghy went in goal. That's right. Played played with no gloves. Two, we got back to two each. Then we we went in front, and the cop was stunned that 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 day. And then um, Kenny Dalglish came off, and Craig Johnson come on near the end, and a sub, and, and got the equaliser. But that day we were, we were absolutely brilliant, you know, superb. Yeah, I was watching that the yeah. other day on YouTube. It's a fantastic game. Yeah. Fantastic oh, game. Great, great game. So next to Kirk, who is Centre-back, centre uh, this guy is regarded as, as one of the game's greatest gentlemen. Was awarded an MBE in 1994. Did, oh, did Gary Mabbott get an MBE? Yeah. Yes. Gary yes. Mabbott. Yeah. I'm oh, just remembering on your forwards, because he did your forward, didn't he, on your book? He did, yeah. Yes. Yeah. He remembered for, he was at Spurs for, what, 16 years. I was captain um, for uh, over 10, 10 years. He overcame um, type 1 diabetes to play at the highest level. Oh, wow. And uh, I had the pleasure of looking after him, you know, over, over a long period. Yeah. Absolute great, great man. Great man. Great ambassador for football, but for the Diabetic Association, you know, as well. So he, he was, um, you know, a guy I had utmost respect for. Yeah. And back then, well, did, you, did you have to... Um, were you all about behind the scenes? Um, and I mean, as, what I mean by that was in just the injuries or things like, like you just mentioned, managing diabetes. Yeah. Were you doing oh, yeah. and helping players manage ongoing medical conditions oh, as absolutely. well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. As a physio, Andrew, you had, you had to also, you were like a mini doctor because you had to know all the drugs. You had to know when you went abroad. I mean, sometimes you, you were the only one there in in. So you had to know the diseases, you know, you had to know the general thing. 
I had my own stethoscope and, you know, I'd give injections. Uh, yeah, you, you're a mini doctor, really. Um, and I, I always attended all the operations as well. So so in the operating theatre, if a player had a, an operation, I was there with them. Um, so I could see what the surgeon had done, plan his rehab. And also, more importantly, is phone his family afterwards. And, you know, so I was looking after the welfare, really, of, of the player and his family. Because um, physio, you, there's a lot of psychology in it as well. You know, if a player's off form, he's not playing right. You know, he's a, so you've got to see if he has got a problem. That's why I never got involved in football. You know, it was better, though I love football. And of course I know about football because I've I, I done thousands of games and I love the game. I love the game then, especially, you know. I think Luton's side, when I first went there, just just brilliant atmosphere. That was the best time I ever had in Luton, you know, with David Clee and fine manager, you know, took a chance on giving me um, a job with a limp. He never regretted it. I tried to put him off me with the interview. I said, you don't want me? He said, yeah, I do. I said, I don't know how I'm going to react to crowds. Because I didn't, you know. But uh, so at Luton, luckily enough, I never got went on for a six or seven games. So I got used to the atmosphere. But But David... David was the one that gave me a career. So, and I'm still, you know, a good friend with him. Nice man. And all yeah. the lads. Lovely guy. Lovely guy. Yeah. The 100%. Yeah. Did you ever have to go on for the opposition at any point? Yes. Yeah, often. I remember Wimbledon once. We played Wimbledon. Their physio got sent off after a minute. So I had to what? look after both. both sent teams. off? Yeah. Physio. Yeah. I never knew a physio can get sent off, John. I sent yeah, it off. Oh, you can. You can. The nearest I ever got, Marvin, getting sent off, Graham Roberts, he, he committed a, a bit dodgy tackle. I knew he was going to, he got the yellow card. I thought he was going to get the red card. So he went down. So I put him on a stretcher to get him off. And the referee was David Axel. And he'd come over and he said, I said, you can't send an offer on the stretcher. He said, you say one more word and you're off as well. <laughs> and if you if you look at Triple Pursuit, you will see one of the questions is what was the footballer that got sent off on a stretcher? And that was Graham Roberts. And I nearly went with I ne- nearly went with him as well. Uh, but why but John, why did the why did the woman is it the woman in video get sent off for do you know in the first minute? For, swear, for swearing at the linesman. Within a minute. <laughs> minute. A minute. What? He swore. This is, this is Andrew. This is where the physios get involved in in football. You know, the ma- the, the manager would say sometimes, "Don't tell him to do this. Do this. Do this." He went out in that ear, out the other. You yeah. know, you, <laughs> I never listened. Uh, not really. Not really. And and or get on at the referee. Get on the referee. Give him some stick. Why why give him stick? If I start giving him stick, he's not going to let me on too quick. And if I've got a player there that's got a whack on the head or he's unconscious, referee's not going to let me on. So I've got to get on there quick. So yeah. don't, don't make an enemy of the referee. So uh, is it a bit awkward when you had to do other players then from other teams? No, not really. Not, I know you're a professional, but was it a bit kind of a little bit a bit awkward doing it? Only, Andrew, the only time you got it is if you took one of their players off. I took one of the players off at Newcastle because he, he'd, he'd ruptured one of the medial ligaments. And I thought I took him off to give us a chance. <laughs> but I actually hadn't. I mean, he was he was uh, badly injured and uh, he under, 
underwent an op- operation. Yes. But sometimes so, you get you you get a bit of stick. I did that day, but you, you used to get used to it. The way I the way I adapted myself, because I got stick with, with a limb. So I decided the thing to do was to get the crowd on your side. So I used to give them a little, if they give me stick, I'd, I'd give them a little bow and doff me cat to them. And I remember at Man United one night, I had to run the length of the field from one player right to the Stratford end. And they were giving me almighty stick. So I doffed me cap to them. I give them away and then they're on your side. They're cheering you. You know, so, you know, in the end, you get so hardened to it. And it was, uh, yeah, it was good. And I, I enjoyed it in the end. I enjoyed the banter. You know, I did enjoy the banter. Even uh, even at places like Millwall where you really got stick. Oh, and Chelsea. Chelsea, I'd done a game at Chelsea and the wheelchair section gave me stick. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'm an ambassador for you, and you're giving me stick. Yeah. <laughs> funny, it was funny. Oh dear, that was funny. <laughs> Excellent. So next to Gary Mabbott, who's your final centre back? Well, this this guy is um, very quietly spoken. He made over 400 appearances for Luton. He got sent off after about 60 minutes for Northern Ireland in their famous victory over Spain. Uh, in the 1982 World Cup. Mal, Mal Mal Donaghy. Left Luton in 1988. Man United went on to play Chelsea. Famous for playing at Liverpool with no gloves. (laughs) He had no gloves on. And I think Mal played in goal two or three times for Luton and they were never beaten with him in goal. He was a fair goalkeeper. I think when he was was young, he... um, I remember at Cambridge he went in goal... Early on, Jake got injured. Jake got a head injury or neck injury. And uh, Mel went in goal and we, we won with him in goal. So, Is Mel the type of player to have mentioned that to Jake? That type of statistic? I've never, we've never <laughs> lost when I've been in goal. <laughs> uh, Jack, do you mean Jake? <laughs> yeah, would, it, would, he have, would, would Mel have said that to Jake and gone, hang on, mate, I, I've, we've never lost with me in goal. What's going on with no, you? No, he wouldn't. He, would, he, no. he was so, he was such a quiet, un. Assuming man, um, hard as nails. Yeah, hard as nails. I remember once one of his teammates, one of his Irish teammates, and him got sent off fighting. And David Fleet said, "You better go up the tunnel and sort him out." And I, I got up the tunnel, and there, there had it. I got in between them, and then this is what's Mel. And then we're stitching the other guy up in the in the treatment room. And Mel comes in and he's at his shower, and he just puts his hand on his head and says, "Are you all right?" <laughs> mates again, mate, mates again. But he was um, oh, a great fella. I think he went to um, work for the Irish FA. Yeah, he did. But, but a guy that you would want in the trench next year, that he would look after you. That was a great thing about the footballers in them days. They looked after me. You know, they they if they went in for a rise, they'd go in for one for me as well. They, they, they which was brilliant. I mean, all them games, I, you know, I don't think I ever got a player fined. It was man-to-man, you know. If I had a problem with a player, or you had a problem with me, um, great. We, we, we'd sort it out. And, play, and managers thought I was too close to the players. I mean, David Pleat did and Terry Venables. But I said to him, I can't change. What you see is, is what you get. I'm not changing. Um, 
I mean, I think Terry Venable said to me, am I allowed to swear? Yeah. <laughs> he, said, he said to me, I want you to be a right bastard. And I said, how many bastards in the world? Don't try and add another one. What you see is what you get. I can't change. I can't change. I don't want to get involved in the, the football. I just want to look after the players, their welfare, and, and make sure. And that was my philosophy throughout. But now this has given me a chance to pick a, a few players. And, you know, so it's good. And, it's good. and that's I'm, probably just... That's probably one of the reasons, John, why you're probably one of the top physios <clears throat> ever to be in the game because of your relationship and how you treated the players um, on a personal note. You, you mean you, you didn't just treat them as like um, an, a, just another player. You treat them as people. And I think that's that was felt across from the players, which is why they all gravitated towards you. And um, especially as a certain young man who I'm sure we're going to come on to later on um, in your team. Yeah. Definitely, okay. Definitely. So um, what we're going to do is we are just going to pause now um, between yep. your defence and midfield. And then when we come back, we will hear the midfield and the strike force with John Sheridan, my best 11. Welcome back to the second part of John Sheridan's My Best 11. So far, we've got Ray Clements, Kirk Stevens, Gary Mabber and Mal Donaghy. I will hand over to Marv for Marv's quick fire 60 seconds. Over to you, Marv. Okay, John. Um, just answer whichever comes straight into your head. Um, golden goal or penalty shootout? Which one? Golden goal. Um, Maradona, oh. Oh, sorry. Maradona or Pele? Pele. Favourite other sport? I guess is it golf? Is it? I'm golf. Oh, swimming. Love swimming. Okay. Um... Best ground you've been to, you, what's the best ground you've been to when you worked at as a physio? Barcelona, Wembley and Barcelona. Wembley and Barcelona. Okay. Bundesliga, La Liga or Serie A for quality? Serie A. If you wasn't a physio, what would you have done? I'd like to have been a doctor. Okay. Funniest player? David Moss. He'll love that. Um, Yeah, he will love that. Spurs... Arsenal or Luton, Watford, Luton. Derby. Okay, both best both good derbies. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Best player you have ever seen live, literally in front of your eyes. Best player you've seen. Okay, the the uh, going right back, Marvin. The best player or best players, so it's different. Was Duncan mm. Edwards and John Charles, and then modern day football has got to be Paul Gascoigne and. George Best. Uh, so I think Gaza really was the best player. Then you've got Ricky Hill. You've got, hey, well, <laughs> you got there's loads. There's there is. Last, last one, Marvin. Last one. If you could change one rule, John, in the game, what would it be? Feigning injury. I would hate Feigning. it. I hate, I hate players yeah. going down when they're, not, when they're not injured. So I would I would punish them. It's not, it's not the referee. It's Referee's not a medical expert, so I think the players should, if they've been to, to have messed the bell, I think they should, like a sin bin. Right. Interesting. Fantastic. Interesting. Interesting. So you, do you feel like, um, or what do you feel like the physio's job's changed? Or do you feel like it's changed from when you were? Well, there's, probably, there's probably 10 more and then to, to John now. There's probably just John <laughs> and there's probably 10 more now on the stuff. And do, when, when I first started, I was physio kit man. Now I... I looked at one of the 
Premier League clubs, there's 14 people doing what I've done because they've got psychologists, um, dietitians, chiropodists. Uh, they've got maybe physio for the academies, the schoolboys, reserves, the first team, maybe three for the first team. Now, I had to look after the first team, reserves, academy, schoolboys, as well nice. as doing the kit. So, um, psychologists, I mean, so, so, but, but I had the advantage because I was working one-to-one -one with a player. Now, if a player gets injured at one of the top clubs, he might have four, five, six people, um, you know, working on him. So I, I had a great relationship and I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it for, for, for nowadays. I'd love, a, I'd love a cracker, maybe working a month in a, a Premier League sub club now and just see how easy it is. Because I was working <laughs> seven days a week, 52 weeks a year sometimes. You know, you, you, you just had to work and the manager relied on you. Because a physio is worth at least, a good physio is worth at least 12, 14 points a season to a club. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So you, you get a good, good physio. I mean, the Luton Championship side, I, I believe we, we had seven players played every game. couple missed one, one missed two and one missed three. Wowzers. And so you get a good physio. And I don't, I don't regret any, any, anything at all. I, when I was, when I was physio in football, it was, it was a great game. I think it's changed a lot now. John, was, yes. was, was, I mean, similar to like, um, goalkeepers, I mean, like a, like goalkeepers union. It was there a physio reunion, like, like in the back of the day, like physios used to like hang out with each other, like during yeah. the after games and stuff, was there? Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we're going to the, yeah, the physio, the managers would all come into at Luton. We'd all go into the uh, treatment room. And so you'd have, Shankly, Fagan, Cluffy, they've all be, been in there. Um, the important job for me on a Friday was to make sure we knew what the managers were going to drink, a bottle of whiskey for Paisley, a few beers in the ice machine, so they're nice and cold when they come in. And, and we sit there, and I would sit mesmerised sometimes by these great managers, listening to them, discussing them. And I remember going in the boot room at Liverpool after that three-all draw, and you had all these great, great men talking about football. And as I, as I left, because I'd been on that day so many, I was knackered, been on so many times. And as I left, they gave me a crate of Guinness for the boys. Um, and it was great, great, great memories of these managers. And, I, and, and it was good for me because I had a limb. So you knew me, so Fergie and Cluffy and that would, as I walked in the ground, it's like, hello, John, how are you, mate? Now, if I didn't have a limb, they wouldn't have known me from Adam. So, so they, they knew you. I remember right. before the uh, 87 Cup final against Coventry at Tottenham, I was uh, collecting the tracksuits and someone come behind me, give me a big hug. And I looked around, it's Brian Clough. I said, I'm so pleased you're going to Wembley, John. And I thought, here's this great man that, that's, um, you know, brilliant. Knows you. you know, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. So we will keep going with your best 11. And we'll go right wing back. Are you doing wing backs? Is that how you're doing it? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Right midfield, I'm going. Yep. So I'm going right midfield. So this this guy um, worked in the sausage factory. Um, in 1987, he had a top 20 single with his teammate. Yeah. He was in the charts. Played for Newcastle. Yeah. Got Andrew. I thought he was more of a left winger. Andrew, he? he joined Marseille in... Yeah, yeah, Chrissy Waddle, Chrissy Waddle. Chrissy Waddle. I, Chrissy Waddle. I, I always thought he's more Chrissy of a left, left winger. 
Ah, no, but he played on either. Yeah. To play on right. But because my five men in in midfield, Chris could play on, on either wing. So I've put him over there. Fair so enough. That's why. So Do you think that your defenders will be happy having Chris Waddle as their right midfielder, right wing back? Yes. I remember once he had he had a he had a mighty shot on him and we were in um America, I think we were playing Columbia. The Orange Bowl Stadium, you know, in, in Miami, the old Dolphins. And he volleyed the ball from about 10 yards. And he hit me in the, the ghoulies. And all the boys are looking at me, waiting for me to go on the floor. And he, he as he hit me, as he hit me with the ball, I went, <clears throat> it just, and every time after that, whenever he see me, even when his manager, Bernard, he would see me, he'd go, <clears throat> they remember the, and I, I staggered, I staggered off to the, I staggered off to the loo, spewed out, and I come out, and some of the boys were still laughing. And I went, if it was you, I would be on the field treating you. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was funny. <laughs> but I can, I can say definitely he's got a hell of a shot on him. <laughs> but he, he, did, uh, he did catch me that day. Hell of a player, and yeah. hell of a player, hell of a player. I, I would, Chrissy Waddle, I would definitely um, pay to watch him. I love watching him. I, I just... He had that little shoulder down, and, and yeah. but a great, great, great player, and, and a great, a great lad, a great lad. I, I like Chrissy Waddle. Um, I got on, I got on with him well, you know. And uh, Geordie, down to earth, great, great fella. Oh, definitely. Okay. So you 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 mentioned um, obviously Luton, Tottenham. Did you ever get a chance to 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 work with the England setup at all? I done England schoolboys. Yeah. But I was when Terry Venables went to um, England. I thought there'd be a chance if David Pleat had gone with England. I think I would have gone with England. But um, Terry, because I don't know, maybe because I was my own man. Um, Terry decided, you know, not to use me. Though I'd given him loyal service, I showed him that I could do the job. But you know, it's just one of the things. That was one of my biggest regrets. I always wanted to do a cup final, so I'd done two. I'd done the 100th cup final, um, so I, I knew what was what it was like winning and losing. But that was really one, one regret, Andrew, that I would have loved to have um, done even one game for England. I, I actually done the, um, the Italian 90 side against England at Tottenham for um, Shilton's testimonial. So I'd, okay. I'd done the Italian side. So you had, um, I think, uh, I think that was that was brilliant to do that. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, but that was the nearest relay I got. Okay. But I think I, I, I would, I would hope anyway. If David had got the England job, I would have been, I would have been involved. Yeah, um, and you're involved for the Cup Winners' Cup. I, I, I done. Um, what with Tottenham? Do you mean? Yeah, yeah. No, the I, I done, I done games for Chelsea in the Cup Winners' Cup. Yep. When they were struggling for a physio, I went up where Glenn, Glenn Huddle was manager um, and and uh, was it Bruges we played. Uh, Mark Steen scored Bruges, Stamford Bridge. Um, was that 94-95 around then? Yeah, it would have been when Chelsea had won. won but I'd done that game. I'd done Leeds and they asked me to do a few more games, but 
I was with Luton as consultant. So, um, you know, though I did enjoy it at Chelsea, um, they, had, they had a few staff there. You had, uh, you know, Messers and, and there, Nyleen Drury, you know, the Faith Healer. She was in the dressing room. What was she that was like? Lady. Yeah. But, I, Andrew, it's not, you know, it, it was different because you had so many people in the dressing room that helping you. It was brilliant. I, and I wasn't used to it. Yeah. You know, even at Tottenham, I wasn't used to it. At Tottenham, there was only me, Dave Butler, my assistant, and, and the doctor, um, you know, Dr. Kern. Um, and, okay, I had a couple of part-timers that done the youth team and the reserves on a Saturday, but... Um, so Chelsea was was brilliant, and I, I really enjoyed it. And I met um, Mr. Hardy, Matthew Hardy, you know the the, mm-hmm. the chairman there, and he did say, "Would you feel about coming to uh, Chelsea?" And I said, "If I was younger, I, I, I would I would have loved to have uh, done it, because there had you all the equipment, you had all the equipment that you wanted." You know, yeah, they were going so, through a big change, weren't they? Changing the stadium, no, they were they were throwing money at Stamford Bridge and everything. Yeah, yeah I, I, I really enjoyed it. And, and if I had been younger, I would have, um, you know, really considered it, you know. But uh, I thought I'd done my time. I'd done a lot of games and, you know, I was consultant at Luton. I was enjoying that. So I thought, well, I just said, you know, thank you very much for asking me. And, uh, you know, but no, thank you. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So we'll move on to left. Left-hand side, or do you want to go across the middle? Which no, is your team? It's still centre midfield. So the next one, um, well, you could had a short spell in management with Kettering Town. <laughs> you're trying, you're trying to give us difficult <laughs> clues for such an obvious person. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Um, he's also yeah. a Geordie as well, like Chrissy Waddle. He's, he's, he's a Geordie, yeah. <laughs> and he, he has, has he, he, he overcome he a, get straight to it. Uh, overcome a career-threatening injury to. Score one of England's greatest ever goals, I would say, in the Euro 96. Brilliant goal. Um, well, you know, he's a daft as a brush by yeah. Bobby Robson. He was uh, described Bobby Robson. Lovely Gaza. lad. Gaza. Yeah, Gaza. Gaza. Very, very generous man. Love Gaza. Um, yeah, I like Gaza. I'd never had a problem with him. Uh, worked his, so hard to get his fitness back. Often there was just him and me. You know, we were. A lonesome trail, as they say, because um, no one thought he was going to get back after that injury. And the second injury just compounded the whole situation. We were up against a deadline of getting him fit for a fitness test in Rome. And it was funny because the day he got injured was my anniversary. And the day a year later, when he passed his fitness test, was my anniversary. So he, he um, during that year, we were filmed continuous by the great the, the fight back. Did you ever see that, Marvin? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. There was, no. there was, a, there was a documentary over the year of getting him fit, and they they just followed us, the cameras. Um, so they seen the highs and the lows. And at that time, there was another famous footballer in London that uh, was overcoming a similar injury because no injuries, no two injuries are the same. A similar injury, and he had been to America and been operated. By on by the American surgeons. And uh, so I think one of the newspapers was sort of plotting each other's progress to see who was who was getting better. But unfortunately, this guy, he did snap his uh, cruciate 
you know, the the placebo one that he had in there, and not placebo, the the, the graft that he had in there. And uh, so Gazza actually got fit before him, but the guy did get fit, which was brilliant, and he, he played, and, you know, he, he had a good career after that. And, of course, Paul uh, carried on his career, and actually he played more games after his injury, scored more goals for England after his injury than before. So people that said he wasn't the same, he he was the same. He he, but differently. He was different, um, and he had a he had a great career. He played a lot more, a lot of games, and uh, you know. So I was always very proud of uh, of what the medical staff at Tottenham and, and myself achieved. Um, went to Lazio, and, and the fitness test was it took it out of me, because um, I think I was really near a nervous breakdown, you know, because the media and you know, people camping outside my door at home, and you know, it was it was a crazy situation. But he done part of the fitness test at uh, Spurs at the training ground, and then we went to Rome, and uh, we went to the Olympic Stadium, and he done part of the fitness test there. And then a guy called Jim Andrews, who was one of the top American orthopedic surgeons, who, who treated Jack Nicholas and uh, a lot of the a lot of the basketball players, he flew over to Rome and actually assessed his injury to see if he could, if Lazio were going to sign him. Because Tottenham were in, I believe, dire straits financially, so they could have gone down the tubes. And Paul, so that, that added a lot of lot of pressure. And I always remember that day because we'd done the fitness test and Paul was knackered. And then they were going to decide, issue a statement, you know, whether he was going to join Lazio or, or what. And, I went back to the hotel and I went, I sent Gazza to bed. He went to bed. I sat at the bar with a brandy and I was, I was on the floor. Hey, Marvin, I was on the floor. And then this report came in from Daily Mirror and he said, have you heard how the fitness test went? I said, no. He said, he's passed. And I sat at the bar, Marvin, and I had tears running, running down. Yeah. Looking back, I think of it, and I, you know, <clears throat> you still get a lump in your throat. Right. Because your career, his career's on the line, but so is mine. So right. I, then I think, oh, well, I, I can come back to England with my head held high. I can, and, and that night when he passed his fitness test and they had a, a dinner for his honour, you know, they joined Lazio, um, chairman of Lazio come up to me and said, we've interpreted, would you like to join Lazio? We want you to go to college. We want to you to learn Italian. And we want you to be our consultant physio at Lazio. And I said, I said, you honour me, but no, thank you. I'm going home. All I want to do, go home to my family. And and they said, would, would you do the pre-season tour then? We'll make sure he's all right to Brazil and Canada. And Tottenham, Tottenham said, no, we can't do that. We're not letting him. But. It, it was it was a great um, it was a great time in a funny kind of way because when I when I after I left Spurs they flew me out there a couple of times and I used to treat the Lazio players so Thomas Dole, uh, Signori, all these boys when I went in there they they knew I didn't want the job I do so you know so so the medical staff they welcomed me so I I would I would delve in I'd be in the treatment room treating the players and, and and I loved it I, lo I loved it 
but it wasn't until the book, you know, Marvin, I ever spoke about what what was going on. I never right. ever said about. I never kept it quiet. Never made any money. I was offered mega bucks, you know, to talk about um, Gaza. I, I never would, but because it's so well documented now, I was able to write about my experience with him in the book, and also. I got permission from all the players that I mentioned, so no ethical boundaries were ever crossed. Yeah. And I think they were pleased, really, that, um, you know, they mentioned in the book. Well, John, I mean, you, you, you never got a player fined. You hardly said a bad word about him when you, were, you had your, um, your careers. I, I doubt anyone was going to be, like, looking over their shoulder once you were probably going to mention him in the book. No, no, I wouldn't. No, that was something low. No, I would never do that, Mark. Um, if I don't... Speak can't speak decent of him. I'm not. I'm not, not going to say anything at all about. Right. Not to say I haven't met some dodgy ones, because <laughs> I have. <laughs> but I have met a few. But mainly, I, I've I've been very lucky with the players that I've uh, looked after. They've mostly been really good lads, and uh, so yeah, I think I've been I've been lucky. Two great managers I had: David Cleet, who to me was great. Well, greatest manager I worked with, and he should have been the England manager. And another great manager, Terry Venables, you know. I worked with other ones like Peter Shreves and that, but only for a short period of time. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, funny, a funny thing about uh, Gazza, he, he could take me off, you know. He could take <laughs> the limp off and that. He, he could. I remember going to play golf at Rocket Hall once and David Seaman was there, the England goalkeeper. And he, he'd see me and he'd done an impression of me bending down to treat a player. And I thought, this is brilliant. This great goalkeeper, England goalkeeper, doing an impression of uh, this old old physio. Well, that's, this this is great. So that's that's that was fine for me. So, <laughs> must have been very surreal. Yeah, it was surreal. It was it was surreal. There was a there was a reporter once at the training ground, and he had a limp. And Gaza said to me, "I dare you to walk behind him. You turn around, and think you're taking this, and it give you such a whack." Now he could he could say that to me because he knew that I wouldn't say Humbridge. Yeah. Right. But if someone else had said that to me, he would have whacked him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. So we got Gaza. Who okay. else is in this team? Okay, it, um, a, de a defensive central midfielder. Uh, this guy, um, he spent sixteen years as a player, twenty-two years as a manager. Uh, Started at Port Vale, known by the players as Stone Eyes. And particularly, Mar particularly Marvin. <laughs> and, and Nobby. Stone Eyes. Yeah, Nobby, yes. he would look no. at you. He would look at you and he would say, I, I, I remember playing golf with him once and I missed the part of about two foot and I laughed and he said, don't you laugh, we've got to win, we've got to win. Great winner, great winner. <laughs> but what a man. Oh, man. And you and you see him now, and he, you know, he's wrote a book, uh, Nobby, and and uh, but he was at the reunion. He's, he's such a nice guy, such a nice guy. I watched half time one game, some someone had done him. I watched him, this young lad had done him, went over the ball to him, and I went in at half time, and there's blood seeping through his sock. So I, I go to clean it up quietly. He said to me, Leave it, leave it. Did you see what he done to me? I said, "Yeah, I seen what he done." So I won't describe what happened next in the second half. <laughs> but Nobby was, Nobby was hard, but foot fair, 
repair. And again, you know, great, great Luton legend, the legend, you know. Yeah, and most certainly a legend at many clubs as well, beyond there, particularly as oh, yeah. as well as a manager. Yeah, mm. Brighton, um, yeah, Port Vale. He went on, great manager, wasn't he? Yeah, great Man manager. City and etc. Yeah, etc. So, yeah. Fantastic. One of, re- one of the reasons why Luton was so successful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. We have a central midfielder. Um, he won his first England cap in uh, 1982 when he came on as a substitute for Brian Robson against Denmark. You have him. You have you have, you have him in the middle as well. I I would always remember him as a player in the middle, um, John. And a lot of people had him on the right. But we did a lot yeah. of good work on the right. But I had I always had him as a as a central midfielder because he was just so gifted and and again. Everyone had him in his team, and Andrew Moore. I mean, anyone. I mean, had him in their team. Who are you yeah, talking about? Spotted, it's what? Spotted playing for John Kelly Boys College in, in Neasden, nineteen seventy-five. Do you know who we're talking about? No. Yeah. Oh, Andrew surprised me. Went to, okay. He went I, on to manage I, both what? Luton and Fort Lauderdale. I did, did you? I I don't know why I didn't realise he won his cap that early. Yeah, eighty two. I really thought he'd won his cap. I don't know why I had in my head he won his caps around eighty four, eighty five. Well, I'm, sure right. you... I'm sure I'm right. You... He, he was one of the first players I ever treated though, and, and I remember him because because Ricky made me so. Oh, you, have you mentioned him, Ricky? Yeah, 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 I know it is yeah, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Ricky was so kind to me on my first day. We went up to the uh, fish and chip shop at lunchtime. Had fish and chips, and that. So it shows you what a good dietitian I was. <laughs> <laughs> but, they, but all the Luton lads, they, they were so kind, you know, early on. And Ricky was was uh, was one of one of the one of the best players I ever looked after. Great player, should have got lots and lots more England caps, you know. Yeah, he he would have done if he'd been with a more fashionable club than Luton. Um, yeah, lovely guy, lovely guy, and uh, he hasn't changed. No. He's wrote a book, um, Ricky, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. Love, love, love Ricky. And he does change his... Sensational player. Them, them Luton lads from that time were, were, were such a great bunch. From from David Pleat, the manager, to Rini, the we've done the Kit washing. Lady, yeah. Kit Wash lady, lady, you know, um, George Rogers. Yeah. You know, Jim, who's done the, the coach, drove the coach. All these boys were, were so... Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Fantastic players. So we've got Chris Waddle, Paul Gascoigne, Brian Horton, Ricky Hill, and who else? On the left. Okay, on the left. On the left, we have got. Did he like to head a ball? Uh, you, you've got it. You've got it. You've got it. You've got it. <laughs> started, his career, started his career at Swindon. You've got it. Yeah. Before joining Luton in '78, um, after retiring, he spent a lot of time as, as a manager. Um, yeah. He did actually score. A few goals, uh, goals over his head. Um, great penalty taker, one of the best I, I think Luton um, Luton's ever had. Um, great, great lift foot, and a great lad as well. Another, another one who's a good friend. Always How come he's your? Me. He's mentioned him as your funniest person in your mile sixty seconds. Right. What, what, what was it about him? He's droll. He's got a great sense of humour. He's got my sense of humour. It's uh, he's, he's just clever with what he says. You know. He, if you, if you listen to him, he is funny. He is funny. Um, I remember going on to him once. He won't he won't like me mentioning this, but he he actually 
he kicked a he kicked the corner flag when he took a corner, and the flag came out, and he laid on the floor. I didn't know who to treat first, the corner flag, or him. And he said to he said to me, "If you think I'm getting up, you've got another thing coming." <laughs> mossy, mossy, oh dear, oh dear. So I, I remember also that infamous game against um, Millwall, the, the riots at Luton. And Mossy was subbed that night, and uh, I remember the referee was going to tell Les Seeley when to run. You know, I could have, and I said to Mossy, warming up, I said, "Go and warm up and don't don't come back." And he ran down, and then suddenly it kicked off, and I had this guy around me throat uh, hanging on to me, trying to strangle me throughout the crowd. And do you remember the old big medical bags, the Adidas bags, Marvin, yeah. the big black yeah. one? Yeah. I hit him over the head with it. It had to, to, to try and get out the way. And uh, I, I sprinted as fast as I could, but it was a it was a, it was a fast walk down there. But that was a scary night that was. But Mossy, yeah. But but David he's um class player. What these players would be worth nowadays, I don't know. I mean they would be just yeah. worth so much money, you know, yeah. it's um uh, br- brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. A um, question for you as well about, obviously, during the 80s, it was quite fashionable to go into um, Astro pitches. Yeah. Did you notice a difference between treating players who played on those pitches compared to players who played on grass? Or did it, and, and was there much difference? Andrew, there was. The first, Luton had the, I think Luton had the Omniturf, and I wrote a report about it. I thought it was detrimental for the players' health and their yeah. limbs. But that report, disappeared i don't know what happened to it but i used i used to remember i would be down there treating players on a tuesday and a thursday and luton used to hire the pitch out to local sides and often i would be treating quite severe injuries to players from local sides you know that out there you know i had a few breaks and and of course that, that was the early days of the, the, the pitches as well the artificial pitches i mean now they're, they're really good aren't they yeah yeah and I think QPR had one. We won at QPR on the pitch. Um, yeah. But the lads, you used to water the pitch because it's sand-based. It was sand, yeah. but you used to water it. And I, I know they let us train on it, and then they wet it. So the conditions were a little bit different. And, and the lads, blisters they had was unbelievable. And also the grass burns. I mean, at Luton, we had to apply the opposition with special ointment for the grass burns. Yeah, because you you slide you slide on that, and and Luton players were so good at, at um, especially players like Ricky Hill. They with their technique. I mean, that's why we we were successful on it. But I didn't I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I, I thought it caused injuries, and I was always worried about the welfare of the players in the um, playing on these on that pitch. But of course, they pulled it um, took it up. But now the grounds. You look at the grass pitches now. I mean, they're, they're immaculate, aren't they? Yeah. You know, in my days, early on, I mean, some of them were just like mud. It was just yeah. mud, playing on mud and running on the pitch, even to treat a player. You realise how good they were to play on it. Be interesting. The now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was listening to another podcast the other week about pitches and they were talking about how they put pressure and they test the pressure of the pitches and they have certain clubs have different pressures. On what they're willing to accept on on for the knees of the players, and, and it all comes from the physios. 
that the, yeah. the style of play, but also the physios in terms of what they're willing to take and their knees, what they can, particularly the knees and the hips. Yeah, yeah. These were the early days and I, I felt it was detrimental to the players. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. So we move on to strikers. We've got an array of, array of, oh, array of flair. I know. Poor old, poor old nobbies can be doing all the, <laughs> a lot of the Nobby. grunt work. <laughs> okay. Now the former these um, honourable mentions. Now these players I mentioned would most would be in my team, different formation. Right. So um, the first one I'll, I'll mention is Clive Allen, forty nine goals, amazing season he had. Anything, everything he touched went in. Um, David Pleat, then he played five men in midfield, very and one up front, one up front, and and um, great great system. Far ahead of his time um, system. The next one, Brian Steen. Um, what a player, Brian Steen. Love Brian. Love watching him play. Underrated. Should have, again, got more England caps. Um, Formation, maybe. Stopped him getting England caps. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Mm. Um, um, Paul Walsh. Paul Walsh would be, um, be in my team, really. Um, most of the time. Oh, the honourable mentions for, for midfield. We never done that, did we? Oh, yeah, we didn't. Correct. Sorry, yes. No, no we didn't do it. I was going to say, but, there's a good view in there. Yeah, there is. So I've, I've got to mention there. Um, I mean, the first one is Glenn Hoddle, would be in my team most of the time. Yes. Technique, technically brilliant. Um, again, Glenn was, Glenn was a very easy guy to treat. I like Glenn. Priestley, David Priest. Yeah. Little Dynamo, golfing partner. Um, love David, he's another one. Um, no, who else? Oh, Raddy Antich. Raddy Antich, Ozzy Ardilis. Yeah. But Raddy Antich, technically brilliant, 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 and uh, a nice man. And sadly missed again. Very sad. And I suppose you, you could um, you could mention Wayne Turner. So I said I'd give him a mention. <laughs> I'd give him a bit. Because... <laughs> I'll tell you what, Wayne, Wayne would be in my squad anyway, any day, simply because Wayne is you. Yeah. He's just, just a great lad, isn't he? Um, yes. That's, that's a tenor he owes me. <laughs> <laughs> I said I'd mention him. <laughs> okay. This guy, my first one up front, um, he scored an own goal that kept Luton in the league as they needed a win to avoid relegation. Um, Luton legend, 69 goals in 168 games. Big um, Mick. Yeah, he won the league um, manager of the year award when Nathan Jones. And again, very difficult to play against. Now, the other guy that I'm going to put with him, I just wondered what his combination would be like if, if it could have happened. Because I think this, this would have been a front two that would have caused havoc. And it could have happened internationally. It could have, yeah. Now the next, yeah, the next one, yeah, you're gonna know. <laughs> is his middle name is Winston after I, Winston Churchill? I did not know that. Because he shares his birthday with him. I'll let you keep going with some guesses so yeah. the listeners can have a go, even though okay. I'll let you keep going with some clues. Keep going with okay. a couple more clues, John. Uh top scorer at the World Cup in Mexico in 1986, winning the golden boot. Carved out a successful uh, career in media. Um, and loves packets of crisps. Yeah. And loves packets of crisps. <laughs> or, and, 
and and I remember when he signed from Barcelona, they sent me on a course to Sheffield to School of um, Oriental Medicine because he liked um, he liked being treated with acupuncture and alternative medicine. So I went up um, and done a crash course in acupuncture, moxibustion, that's burning, and uh, shiatsu, and um, and I treated treated him with that during the time at Spurs, but also the other players, because they like the acupuncture. So I was, I was always sticking the needles in. Now this moxibustion, it smelled, I believe, because I've never smoked himself, but cannabis. <laughs> I've never smoked cannabis. But when you when you when you um, set this moxibustion on the on the needles, this smell comes off. And I remember Terry Menor was walking in one day. He thought someone was <laughs> smoking. <laughs> Who's, who's smoking that? Sh- <laughs> so I said, no, no, no one's smoking that. It's it's um it's acupuncture, moxibustion. So I, yeah, so and I found, well, Andrew, I, found I think everyone knows it. Yeah, Gary Lineker. Yes. Yeah, yeah Gary Lineker. Yeah, Gary Lineker. His famous thing was when he went in, he used to be for a game, he'd have a bath, a lukewarm bath, and then he'd get on the set on the couch and I'd strap his ankles up. You know, that, that was a, because you know, Marvin, being a player, yeah. all the players have got rituals, haven't they? So, yeah. so you, do, you you have to do them all the while. So Gaza thought he would have a go. So he got in a hot bath and he was absolutely coming out, he come out red. <laughs> and he couldn't, he couldn't really play. <laughs> he was knackered. So he, he never done it again. He never done it again. But Gary, Gary, Gary was a great player. He, he created space. He, and you found you found that he he never really ever had both feet on the ground because he knew he was going to get hit. So he was, okay. he, but that's what he was looking for. He, space, creating space all the while. Yeah. And he, a great player to watch. And why do you wonder him and Mick, what are your thoughts on, you mentioned about partnerships. What are your thoughts well, on I, that? Well, I just thought, that, you know, with Mick um, and Gary, I just thought it would be a, a tremendous partnership um, up front. I just felt that they would they would gel. You, you imagine Mick just knocking the ball down to Gary Lineker. Yeah. You know, the ball coming out. What, what would that be like to watch? You know, I mean, it'd be brilliant. You know, and, you, and you've got the five men in midfield and, you know, I, I think it, I think it would be exciting. I think it would be exciting with, with um, Mossy and Chrissy Waddle and, and yeah. well, uh, hey, I, I would love it. I love attacking football. Maybe Pleat likes attacking football, but I, I love attacking football. I love I love seeing that flair. Yeah, you know, I, lo- I love seeing great players. I love seeing great players play. You know, it's, it's um, so an, an honourable mention. I I done a um, couple of games for Chelsea, which was good. But one guy that always I was impressed with was David Rowcastle. I met David Rowcastle, and and I just felt he was a you know, lovely guy. He made me welcome. Chelsea, and and uh, Mark Steen did, you know. Mark was playing, and uh, so it was good, you know. Wise Wise was playing, Terry. So a few, yeah. But uh, David Rowcastle, I thought I'd give him a little mention. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Great, great player. I think we already so know. Boys, so, go on. Boys, what do you re- what do you reckon of the team? No, it's, 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 it's a great team, John. I mean, that, that team, I mean, we've said this before, it'd be great to put these teams up against each other, all these different um, guests we've had on, to see 
what people might have thought in like a fantasy league of whose team would be. I mean, there's been some great teams, I mean, real good yeah. teams. But you, you've got to pick up, well, I mean, it could be you, John, but I mean, what what manager? I mean, I think we know if you what manager is who's going to lead this team. You spoke about him earlier on, if, he's, if it is going to be um, a manager who you've worked with, if it's not yourself. The only one, David Pleak. Yeah, David Pleak, yeah. The only one. He gave, he gave me a chance. He looked after me my whole career. Took me to Tottenham with him. Um, had faith in my ability and took a chance on the limping physio. You know, John, someone, um, with a, someone with a disability that he thought, well, uh, you can do the job. So when you, I mean, when he took you to Tottenham, was, how did that come about? That conversation was it? Was it something when when you knew obviously that um, David was going? Was it a case what you thought? Oh, I hope he takes him with me. I hope he, he wants to bring. Or was it like a case of that? Oh, good luck, David. And you were really surprised when he came. I was you. surprised, Marvin. I was really surprised when he asked me. I didn't want to leave Luton. I loved Luton. The players were my mates. They were friends. I didn't want to leave Lewis. I loved the club. I loved the supporters. David asked me to go with him, with Trevor Hartley. Um, it was a difficult decision to go. But, you know, with a family, you, you, uh, your salary is going to be raised, you know. And, and I went to Spurs. I couldn't have done Spurs without being at Luton, first of all, because I, I went to Spurs and you had Hoddle, Waddle, Clements, Stevens, all these great players, um, Galvin. But I was able to deal with them. Um, and I never changed at Tottenham the same way I worked at Luton. I never pandered to, to them, you know, because it was Glenn Hoddle. The apprentice, the youngest apprentice was just was the same to me. And I, never, I, didn't, I didn't ever change. And uh, the players liked that. So I wouldn't run after them. I'd get them fit as quickly as I could. Um, and, of course, they took priority if you were getting towards a game. But... Uh, but that was great. I mean, Tottenham were, you know, early days, my first season. I loved the support. The supporters were great to me. Um, I think I was there six, seven years. I didn't enjoy my last couple of seasons. I was struggling badly with my hip. Um, Gazza had knocked the crap out of me, you know, getting in fit, the media. And, and I think when I left Spurs, because I left of my own, you know, I decided I was going to leave. They wanted me to stay. They offered me more money. Ozzy Ardidis coming as manager. Terry had gone. They offered me more money. And I said, no, I don't. I, you know, I come down the M1. I remember that day. And it's just like a weight had lifted off my shoulders. Mm. You know, I, I just, you know, I, was, I couldn't have done it anymore. And I, and I think after that, I think I suffered, suffered a minor breakdown because <clears throat> the, the, the pressure on me in that year it, it took the... You know, I took it out of me. <clears throat> I wouldn't change it, you know, looking back. I wouldn't change what, what happened. But because uh, I went on and, and went back to Luton as a consultant a couple of years later, um, which I really enjoyed because uh, I wasn't in the firing line. And I love I, I love treating players. And I practice at home. So I, um, you know, treating an old lady of 80 was, was just nice for me, you know, as, as treating her. These athletes, you know, and, and and I had a mixture. I used to treat boxers and Olympians, you know, the Paralympians, and so it's a real mixture of, of, of people, and it was lovely. Even even when I was in football, looking back, I used to treat a lot of the old um, 
I used to treat a lot of the old players and, and they'd reminisce when they're on the treatment bench, you know, you know, you know, Billy Nick and Bill Nicholson and Tommy Armour, Spur, all Spurs boys and some of the Luton boys, you know, you 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 treat them and you know, get get a lot out of it. Ken Hawks, you know, and so I, I love listening to to people, the old footballers and how they played and who they played against. The, the great old players, Dennis Law and yeah, brilliant. I had a great career and, and, you know, at the end you look back and I think, thousand games, how the hell did I manage that? You know, yeah. um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Sensational. You know, you know and, and two cup finals going on at Wembley for the 100 cup final, you know, which was, um, though we got lost by a good Coventry side, we should have won, but we didn't have a big squad. But great experience, you know, you, you, you look um, back and, and it, you know, it, it, brilliant, you know. So to come to that night and do my team, which um, which was good, but I really enjoyed it. Love them. Excellent. Yeah. Fantastic. So just tell us a little bit more about the book. Um, yeah. And, and so book's out at the moment, Olympian Physio. Um, as I've already said, is available on hardback and on Kindle. So just talk us through kind of how that really came about and, and, that, and that type of thing, John. Well, I, I started writing primarily for the grandchildren. And during the pandemic, um, I was writing in here and Paul, my young son, came around. But I was reading, writing in these A4 books from Poundland. And I had about six or seven there. And, uh, and he said, what are you doing, Dad? I said, I'm writing a story for the grandchildren. He said, do you want me to type it up? I said, yeah, I'd love you to. And then he, he started writing it, uh, started um, typing it up, putting little bits in for me. Because uh, he's quite switched on. We we um we never used any professional writers. We've done it between us, though it was it was proofread. And then I sent a couple of um, chapters to players that I'd mentioned, asking if I could use them. And I know Brian Steen said this should be printed. And then Pitch Publishing got hold of it and said, "Can we um, read a manuscript?" And I said, "Yeah, of course." And uh, they they come back and said, "Can we can we publish it?" And I said, I'd love to. I'd love you to. I mean, it's brilliant. It's 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 a legacy for the the family, really. Yeah. And also, I mean, so I based it on my life. So the backdrop was football, but it was my life interwoven between it, sort of overcoming a disability at an early age. And really, because David Pleat had given me a chance, so I'd done a lot of non-league games. You know, I'd done maybe a couple of thousand non-league games before I went into league football, to reaching Wembley, really, the cup final. And, and working with my local team, who were my heroes, Luton Town. So I, I went from watching Luton to working for them, working on the players in a couple of weeks, which, which was brilliant, and then going on to Tottenham. But the most important thing was was not getting sacked. You know, I, I actually um, never got sacked. and. Um, so, so the book is is really about my life and and after when I finished playing, when I finished um, playing, I did play in a few five sides, but <laughs> with the boys and training. But um, no, after being a physio in football for them years, um, it was just nice to put my um, memories down, and people have enjoyed reading them. You know, they they you know the, the feedback has been good. It's uh, something that I'm proud of doing 
with the, with the help of uh, Paul, my young son, and with the, and and the family really, Andy and Debbie, you know, they and Beth, my wife, you know, they've all helped a little bit. But with, it's good to do it with your son, write a book, and no professional writer involved, mm. except except for. Because I think that's a, that's that's something in itself, isn't it? To, yeah. to write a book um, with your son, with the help of your son, and it gets into the top hundred, you know, um, you know, in in sports books. It's like you say, it's the process. It's the process through it, and that's what a lot of people say about doing the podcast. Is the ex pros always say that it's lovely having the process of going through it, the memories it brings up, and you probably had exactly yeah. the same experience. And also, also, Andrew, you we've got the changes in sports medicine over them decades, four decades. So we're going from the bucket and sponge, we're going to we're going the magic right to the magic spray, the magic spray, MRI scans, um, all these people involved in getting you your fit, all the expertise that the knowledge was improving over the years, and that all comes out in the book. You know, as as you describe players' injuries. Um, how how it's changed and that's that's I found that fascinating. I I, I love being in the operating theatre to watch players um, get operated on and get them fit and plan the rehabilitation and see living anatomy. So you see an anatomy as as it is. So you're not really, you're not seeing it in a book. You're actually seeing it with your own eyes. And yeah. uh, so I would get showered. I'd be in the operating theatre. And the great thing also was that you got close to the player, you know, they knew that you were caring about them and their families, you know, so it, it was, that, that's the way I, I found being a physio was, was good. I done it, I done it how I felt <clears throat> I should do it. Yeah. You know, and uh, I never changed all the while, you know, and managers, I think in the end, they thought, well, he's not going to change, just let him get on with it. So, so no scouting. I remember Davey Pleat saying to me once, he said to me, um, hey, there's a couple of them, one, one at half time, we're two nil down. And he says to me, and he, he's, he's not very happy with the boys. And I'm, I'm sorting the boys out. And he says to me, uh, what, what, are we, what are you going to say then? About? I said, David, I know nothing at all about football. He said, you know more than you let on. And then one night, one day, we, we, I got a phone. I was in the treatment room and the phone rang. And he said, I want you to go and watch a player tonight, non-league player. I said, what do you want me to watch him for? He said, to watch him, see how, he, how good he is. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll go and watch him. I'll tell you when he gets injured and what time he gets injured. And I'll try and find out what injury he's got. And he said, you won't change whether you only put the phone down. <laughs> so it's, it's funny. But the reason was, I mean, I mean, I love the game. I love the game. Uh, I always have. And watching all them thousands and being involved, you have to learn about football. You do learn about football. And I had the privilege, really, of, of treating some great players yes. over the years. At Luton and at Tottenham. Definitely. So, Definitely. And, really and, the, and a lot of them have made it into your best 11. Yes, <clears throat> absolutely. absolutely. So, um, I want to say on behalf of myself and Marv as well, thank you yes, so, John. so much for your yes. time, John. And it was thank lovely you. to hear from you. And that was John Sheridan's My Best 11. 